Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Thank you, Jesus. Because you live in me, I was lost, but now I'm found. I praise you. Amen. Hmm. Well, good morning. Well, we started something last week, and I I think we'll be trying to finish it up this week. We're looking at um, sort of the prophetic revelation in the ten nations that had to be eliminated from the promised land for Israel to take possession. And sort of how those ten nations represent ten things that we must overcome. And and you could say, for Christ to take possession of us, as his promised land because that's that's really kind of the picture as we we are the the people of God under the new covenant we are the land that God has taken possession of himself for the purpose of him coming forth in us and through us on the earth to do something that fallen humanity can't possibly do and 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 that is that is a completely different concept of of the christian life than live a good life follow the rules, and you'll end up in a good place at the end. Uh, those, those are two completely different stories. And that's, that's what I want us to see. And so, <clears throat> overcoming these things, I mean, you, you could even look at overcoming these, these ten strongholds, uh, ten lies of the enemy, whatever we want to call them. You, you could look at them under either of those ideas of being the people of God. As an under, under one, it would be things that we just need to keep doing better at and, and eventually we won't do them anymore. But that's not really it. It's as we allow Christ to come forth in us, we, we naturally, these things will be foreign to us. And we just won't do them anymore because they, 
they, they will be exposed for what they are, the, the lies that they are. Do you see that distinction? I mean, it's, I know it's not clear to a lot of people, uh, especially a, a lot of the church these days, because a lot of the church is still in the idea of doing better and, and following the rules and uh, hopefully ending up with God in, in the end if, if we do good enough. And <laughs> we, we want to bring people into a, a different gospel than that because that really isn't the good news. <laughs> the good news isn't uh, Jesus came so you can have eternal life in heaven and now just be good and, and be quiet and, <laughs> and do better. Uh, yeah, the gospel is there, there's a different life within the people of God that that needs to come out and and there are things that hinder that coming out uh, because they hinder the flow of it coming in and and so we we want to eliminate the things that restrict the flow of the life of heaven coming into us so that there's more of it coming out of us because if, if that life is coming into us, it will come out of us. That, that's not something that we even have to try to accomplish. And, and that's what Jesus is saying in, in John chapter 15. If you, if you abide in me, the, the vine, the, the life of heaven, if you live in me, you will bear much fruit. It's, it's not that you even have to try. It, it'll just happen. So, I mean, that's, that's a good gospel. That's, that's good news. To live such a life that the life of God is just flowing in, and it's, it's that life of continual connection. That's abiding as the, the other translations for the word, the Greek word that's translated abide is, is live in, remain in, abide in, continue in. So if, if we can live such a life as to remain continually connected, and we know that's, that's the problem with sin, is it... It hinders, breaks that intimate connection. There's still a connection, but the life flow is hindered. And, and so that's, that I guess is the context that I want us to hear the message in today. So we were looking at... <clears throat> the ten nations that had to be removed from the land in Genesis 15, where the Lord is making a covenant with Abraham. 
And, and he gives this list of, of the ten nations in uh, Genesis 15. We'll just start in verse 18. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And then we also looked at Deuteronomy 7, 1 and 2, the specific instructions. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of, and clears away many nations before you. And here he only gives seven. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. And that is exactly how the Lord wants to treat these strongholds in our lives. They, they are to be completely destroyed. We are to make no covenant. We are to have no agreement with them. Because the idea is the Lord wants them to have no place in us because we are the land that he wants to possess. If these things remain, it's an incomplete possession. And the New Testament reference is uh, Ephesians 4.27, and do not give the devil a foothold. And that Greek word that's translated foothold is topos, the word we get topography from, land, geography, give no place to the enemy, is what Paul is saying. And that is the parallel between the children of Israel taking possession of the promised land and, and the Lord taking possession of, of us. And another reference that illustrates this uh, comparison here is 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Yeah, our body is, is his temple, and he wants complete possession of it. So... <clears throat> Very quickly, I'll, I'll go through uh, the first four for those who weren't here so you have a little bit of understanding of what the first four tribes represent. First, the Kenites. They represented fabricators uh, or lies and false accusations sent against us so that we become self-defensive. And we can become too focused on our own issues 
we can live in such a way that we're protecting ourselves from others uh, and being distracted from God's big picture. And second, the Kenizzites, what they represented was uh, a false spirituality where we try to look more spiritual than we are, portraying uh, a false front, a facade, so we don't walk into what God actually has for us because we're trying to look like everybody else. And the Cadmonites, they represented a religious spirit based on the ancient ways or traditions where tradition was treated as highly or even more highly than Scripture. And this is a spirit that was in operation in the Pharisees. When Jesus said a couple of times, you know, you, you negate the, the truth of the law for your own traditions because you hold those traditions higher than the truth of, of the Word of God. And, and as, as such, they make the Word of God to no effect. Uh, another illustration in the New Testament of this idea is uh, when Jesus talks about the new wineskins, the new wine and, and the new wineskins, that there, there are some people who say, the old wine is good enough. And, and that's, that verse, is, that little phrase is translated a few different ways. Uh, the strongest is, the old wine is better. <laughs> uh, another translation is, the old wine is good. And then the other one that I already gave you is, the old wine is good enough. Any of those views can keep us from moving into the new wine that God's pouring out. And, and finally, the, the fourth that we went over last week, and I'm going through these very quickly, uh, is the Hittites. And, and they were uh, a significant historical empire in, in Asia Minor. Uh, and they were they were feared because they they became metal workers and and they had metal that was stronger than just about everybody else so this represented fear or terror even fear of failure that can bring on spiritual paralysis um, seeing yourself as, as not being good enough for God to use. Uh, all those are examples of, of this kind of spirit in operation. So where I want to pick up this week is, is the fifth tribe, and that was the Perizzites. And these were village dwellers, uh, dwellers of open country, uh, they inhabited fertile regions in the south and southwest of Carmel. They were grazers, farmers, and peasants, and they were still there at the time of Solomon. 
which tells us <laughs> that they weren't eradicated very effectively at the time of Joshua, if they were still there in the time of Solomon. Um, <clears throat> they were known as squatters. And uh, there's, there's a legal problem with squatters, is if, if you let, and, and different states treat this differently, but um, for example, uh, we, we have a, a boundary on our property with a, an adjoining property owner, and there's a barbed wire fence that's somewhat parallel to that boundary, but that boundary is about 10 or 15 feet inside his property. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it would appear that, that our property is bigger than, than it actually is. And uh, there's, there's actually uh, a legal provision that if, if we started using that land, that was on our side of the fence that actually it's his. For, and we used it for 10 years and, and there was no dispute or anything. The boundary would actually move the property line. And diff, most states have a, a provision like that. So if, if a squatter retains possession of land long enough, it becomes theirs, or at least it becomes as if it were theirs. Well, how does, how does this translate into our lives? Well, if we represent territory, ground, topography, <laughs> that we're supposed to not give the devil any of, if we knowingly give him that property, it becomes, part of us becomes as if it were his. And that's, that's not what the Lord wants. Because we're, we are his, we're, we're not even our own anymore. So that's why it was so important in the illustration of the children of Israel and the promised land, that they, they were to utterly destroy all these nations and, and have, have no covenant with them, no agreement with them. And, and so this is kind of what, what the Perizzites represent. Uh, we've, we've heard the term a familiar spirit, And the reason a spirit becomes familiar is we've lived with it so long, we think that's how things are supposed to be. And that is the exact illustration of the parasites, of what they represent. It's always been this way. <laughs> I can't change, or this can't change, and... Uh, we can become apathetic about those kind of things in our lives. Well, the Lord is powerful enough 
to change anything in our lives that, that isn't uh, allowing his life to flow into us and, and out of us. And, and so we, we need to not uh, <clears throat> be comfortable with the enemy squatting in territory in our lives. And so when, when the Lord uh, reveals it, uh, when he shines his light on it, then he's ready to deal with it. <laughs> and then we just need to let him. And, and not be passive or apathetic uh, about it, because he's, he's powerful enough to, to do something with it. And a couple passages in the New Testament that, that I think... Uh, illustrate the, the right response to this. Uh, Matthew 13, 31 and 32. And he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And, and another passage would be the, the parable about the leaven, representing the kingdom of God. Uh, that it, If we let it, it works its way through the whole lump. And, and so we have to just cooperate and, and understand the seed principle that if, if there's some ground that the enemy has had in our life for a really long time, uh, the seed of the kingdom in overcoming it, it, our victory may not be complete just like that. <laughs> we, we have to let that seed grow like the mustard seed. And it will grow and it will overtake whatever was in that ground. And uh, another passage that kind of reminded me of, of this is Zechariah 4.10. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the whole earth. So don't despise a, a small beginning in victory. Because the small beginning in victory is breaking agreement. And, and coming into agreement with the Lord to, to overcome this squatter. Uh, whatever it is. Ah, the next one. Uh, tribe number six, the Rephaim. And, and there's, there's a lot of uh, interesting ideas about the Rephaim that I'm not going to get into. But <clears throat> most of the translators agree that it, they were a tribe represented by enormous size. They were the giants. Um, 
it can also designate uh, shades or spirits. Uh, and some commentators look at it as a poetic synonym uh, for a, another Hebrew word uh, that would represent the, the inhabitants of the nether world of, of hell, essentially. Uh, so, <clears throat> anyway, the, what they represent for us are giants. Um, what is it that's too big to be overcome? Uh, if we think something <laughs> is too big or too hard or too difficult or will take too long or whatever it is, and it, it creates a, a fear in us Sometimes if, if, I mean, an illustration of, of this spirit uh, in ministry is this, this is just too hard. I've I got to quit. Because if I will, I can't do this anymore. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I... I have a friend who's essentially telling his church that today. Uh, I can't even tell you who it is because uh, next week I could tell you. But <clears throat> it's it's happening. Um, and we think that if we stop advancing the kingdom and we lay down our weapons and we just retreat, it'll get easier. <laughs> yeah, most of you are, are shaking your heads. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the enemy never recognizes that kind of truce. <laughs> he never lays down his weapons. He, he may back off a little bit, for a short time, but it's it's only so he can lull you into even more complacency and then lower the boom. And that's that's exactly it. So we we cannot agree with the lies that want us to run away or drop what God has given us to do. Because I mean, the reality is, what, whatever it is that God has given you to do, me to do, everyone to do, it's hard. In almost every case, it's smaller than we thought and harder than we thought. And it's not accomplishing as much as we thought. And, you know, we, we just have to get over it <laughs> and be faithful because that's what we're called to. So we, we can't agree with the enemy that this is too hard. I, I got to quit. I, it's, whatever it is that's too hard, it, it's not going to get easier. 
I mean, those of us who, who've been around mountains numerous times, the third time was not easier than the first. It was harder. And the fifth time is going to be harder than the fourth. And that's the way it is. Every, every time God wants to teach us something, and especially all of these ten things, because these, these are not easy things to overcome. And, you know, the, the two passages that I shared with you from the Old Testament in the beginning, Genesis 15 and, and Deuteronomy uh, 7, uh, they, they, they seem to imply that maybe the first three were small enough that Israel could have defeated them without God's help. But the seven were stronger and more numerous than they, and the only way it was going to happen was with God's help. Well, I don't know if that illustration can translate over into the spiritual application that we're using, because I really don't think so. We, we need the power of God for all ten, I, I think. Because, <laughs> I mean, in our flesh, we, we weren't designed to overcome in our flesh. It, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's entering into the life of Christ and allowing his life to come forth in us that is going to overcome everything. Because we, we are not the overcomers, but he is. <laughs> and, and the more of him is in us, the more we're going to overcome everything. It's not you and I becoming stronger. It's actually us becoming less and him becoming more, and then we overcome. And, and that, is, that is a key understanding to our spiritual progress. And some of us are, are maybe strong enough in the soul to, to actually make it, make some apparent progress. <laughs> and, and I will call it that because I, I'm not sure it's true progress. There, there are sins that we, we can probably overcome in, in the power of our soul. But if it's not the life of Christ that, that's in us, it, it, it will just be pride and puff us up and, and it won't take us to true victory. And, and I think that we need to understand. That, that the true victory is in our weakness and him coming forth and being strong in us and, and then something is really going to happen. Okay. So, uh, the Rephaim. <clears throat> The truth is, uh, I guess I shared that already, a couple passages in the New Testament that illustrate the truth that we all have a calling, they're all difficult, we just need to surrender to the difficulty. Um, if, if we turn and run, the kingdom shrinks. And there's no armor on the backside. <laughs> when we're running. <laughs> we need to understand that. The armor was meant for the front <laughs> when we're engaged in battle. 
And when we're engaged in battle, the Lord has our back. <laughs> so 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Paul's example. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think that says it about <laughs> as, as plainly and as well as, as I possibly could. Uh, I mean, for Paul to say that. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And, you know, we, we have to understand that God has different ways with different individuals. And... It, it appears that for those who are especially close to him, it appears that sometimes he has more painful ways. And when, when, we, when we realize that God does his best work through um, difficulty, through pain, uh, through conflict. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's forming something in us. And what what he's forming in us is is nothing other than Jesus and and what did Jesus suffer and and if 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 Jesus learned obedience through suffering which the word says uh, that, that's always been a, a troubling verse to me. How, how can we expect to, to learn it any easier? <laughs> I, I don't think we can. And, I, I mean, you, you read Hebrews 11, and, I, I mean, the first half is great. I mean, all these great heroes of the faith and they're great stories that, that we know of. And, and then you get to the second half. And it's about all these people that nobody's ever heard of. And they were sawn into. 
and they were stoned, and and, and I mean, all, all these horrendous things happened to them because the world was not worthy of them. Oof. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I'm kind of getting off track here. It's something for us to think about, though. I think sometimes when when we think things are really difficult, and, and, and they probably are especially difficult, we should have a little different mindset. And, and we should have a little more gratitude and probably a lot less self-pity for what God is forming in us. Yeah. So don't fear the giants. Uh, next, number seven, the Amorites. There's a, a special section in uh, rabbinical writings de devoted to the ways of the Amorites, uh, their superstitions. Uh, according to one of these books, um, the former terrible giants, the Rephaim, gave way to the Amorites, who were a very evil and sinful people whose wickedness surpasses that of any other and whose life will be cut short on the earth. They were symbolized by black water on account of their black arts, their witchcraft and their impure mysteries by which they contaminated Israel in the time of the judges. And <clears throat> what Amorite means is sayer or witch, uh, as in a, a soothsayer. Uh, and, and if you remember, when the Lord made his covenant with, with Abram, he, he went on and, and he told him all these things that... Uh, he probably wasn't real excited about, you know, how his descendants were going to go into this foreign land and and they were going to be mistreated and be slaves for 400 years. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like the greatest advertisement. Uh, <clears throat> but but then they were going to, the Lord was going to bring them out of that country with, with great possessions and but but then the really crazy thing about that whole story is, and, and the, the Lord says, all this has to happen because the, the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. Like, they're really bad, but, but they're, they're going to be so much worse. And before I take your people out of Egypt and back to the promised land to totally destroy them, we, we need their evil to come to total fullness. And th this is one of those cases where we just don't understand the ways of God. His, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. Uh, I mean, I don't know. So anyway, that's the Amorites that we're talking about here. And this this is uh, this is one that 
what they represent in in our soul i think is something that everyone struggles with uh, feelings of inferiority and self-doubt subtle worry about what others are saying about you rooted in rejection and fear of rejection you feel like people are always talking about you it causes you to be withdrawn and not enter into real relationships or fellowship and it's it, its fullness comes out in a desire to be in control which is witchcraft Whew. we absolutely want to get rid of that one <laughs> but have you ever met anyone who didn't struggle with some of that stuff not not if they were honest <clears throat> so what is the truth I mean that's how we overcome with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony the word of our testimony is what God has already done in us the truth is that we have to be more concerned about what God thinks and says about us than what people may be saying or thinking and, and the other reality is if if we think people are talking about us they're probably not I mean how, how many times have you <laughs> actually known the reality you you thought people were talking about you but then you find out later oh they're actually talking about a football game or something they weren't talking about you at all and even if they were talking about you they weren't saying what the enemy was trying to get you to believe they were saying as he is the accuser of the brethren even tries to get us to believe lies about what God thinks about us <laughs> so a couple passages that relate to the truth to overcome these ways of thinking uh, Matthew 10 28 Jesus says and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell and that's that's what I was saying we need to be more concerned about what God thinks and what he's saying than what other people may be thinking or saying and Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay, we're up to number eight. The Canaanites. Uh, the expression Canaan and Canaanite are applied in the Old Testament sometimes to the whole collective non-Israelite population west of the Jordan. 
or to the land itself. <clears throat> Thus the Canaanites are mentioned among all the other Palestinian tribes. And the term is applied specifically to the inhabitants of the Mediterranean coast known as merchants. And the meaning of Canaanite is zealous or self-promoting. Um, <clears throat> and the, the application of this is uh, sometimes we are given premature opportunity or promotion. And it, I mean, this happened in David's life. Remember, he's out in the field with the, the sheep, and one of his brothers comes and says, hey, uh, you better come to the house because Samuel the prophet's here, and uh, he, he wants you. <laughs> and he gets anointed to be king. Samuel leaves, and they send David back out to the sheep. <laughs> for for so many years. Uh, it's so many years before he actually becomes king. But even though David was prematurely anointed as king, he never let this spirit operate within him. He he waited for God's timing for the promotion. And and most of us wouldn't. Uh, we would, we would want to just go out and do what God said, and not wait for His timing. And that causes many people to quit when things don't work out, because they were out of God's timing. It leads to the mistake of equating calling with sending and releasing. And there's a difference. And going against God's timing will lead us to failure. Many times it leads to quitting. Sometimes it leads to vows that we make. Well, I'm never going to blah, blah, blah again. Even if that is what God has actually called you to do. And then that has to be broken so that we actually then can, in God's timing, enter into the fullness of what it is that, that he wants us to do. So the, the truth is that we can trust God in, in the waiting. And, and we can. He, he has his timing. We... We need to not question his faithfulness. And, and I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the prophecy that I received back in 1999 about the harvest here in, in Cheyenne. And it's, it's going to be huge. It's, it's going to be powerful and uh, I know it's going to happen. And the, the key is, 
to keep saying yes to God, keep doing what he's saying to do, keep being faithful with what he, he puts in front of us, and, and he will bring it about. Because if, if the thing that he's calling us to is way bigger than we are, uh, and, and it, it generally is, because God always wants to call us into the impossible. As, as people who are part of the new creation, we, it's the reason we're the new creation. As Christ in us can, can do immeasurably, <laughs> abundantly more than, than we would ever think to ask or come up with on our own. And, and so we, we just need to trust him that he's going to be faithful to, to do the things that he has put on our hearts that, that he's going to do. And, yeah, the... <clears throat> uh, I, I better just keep going. Uh, number nine, the Girgashites. Um, <clears throat> these people were were kind of strangers in a strange land. <laughs> uh, they, they had no specific territory that's known. Uh, they, they seemed to dwell uh, in soil or in places that other people didn't want. Uh, and the, the thing to overcome here is a feeling of being out of place. Um, you know, I just don't know if I belong. <laughs> I don't know if I fit. Uh, and, you know, as, as a pastor, you, you hear a lot of people <laughs> say, say this kind of stuff. You know, I... I just don't know if, if this is my place. I just I just don't know if I, I fit. I, I don't know if I belong. And and the idea is, you know, the, the enemy wants us to feel like that all the time everywhere. <laughs> that's that's what he wants. He he's the accuser. And and he wants us to feel out of place. Like like we don't have a home. Like we don't belong. Because it, it keeps us from maturing. It, it keeps us from coming under authority and really establishing roots and maturing so that we can be fully released. And, and that's, that's one of his strategies. So the truth is, the church is, is the place where everyone who is born again finds love and a place to belong. And granted, not all churches <laughs> are, are like that. I mean, some you have to fit in a certain box in, in order to really fit in. And, and people will communicate that to you. <laughs> That you're 
you're not in our box, so if you will just step in the box, we we will have a place for you. <laughs> if you continue to be outside the box, then you know there probably is another place where you belong. And you know we're trying not to be like that, even though some of us maybe grew up in a place like that. Uh, the church is, is supposed to provide a place for us to belong. And, and that's not just my job. That is all of our job, right? <laughs> As if, if you've been here more than two weeks, then uh, you're part of welcoming people who come in <laughs> and making them feel welcome and at home and like they have a place. So what Paul says in, in Romans fifteen seven is, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And 1 Corinthians 12, 14 and 15, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So, church isn't meant to be a place where we're comfortable. <laughs> and, and here is a tension, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think the church is, I don't think we're supposed to be comfortable all the time in church because we're in training. And hopefully the, some things in us that shouldn't be in us are being confronted sometimes. <laughs> Maybe not every week, but hopefully on a regular basis. Uh, so you, you can be welcome and uncomfortable, is what I'm saying. <laughs> the the two are not mutually exclusive. We can belong and be welcome and be uncomfortable all at the same time. <laughs> and I and I think that's our job. <laughs> Is in in the midst of our own um uncomfortableness welcoming others. <laughs> And, and helping them feel like they belong. Okay, we are going to make it through this. <laughs> this is uh, number 10. The Jebusites. Every time there's a list of the nations, they're last. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> they dwell in the mountains. Uh, that's in Numbers and Joshua. And they were a warlike people, but the meaning of their name is downtrodden. So if you're downtrodden, you, you have these feelings of anxiety, possibly depression, a victim mentality, 
where we can blame others for our condition or for our lack of success. Uh, sometimes we can come under self-condemnation for feeling like we, we haven't done enough or we haven't done more. So the truth is that God is for you. And as, as the people of God, we are for one another. What, whatever it is that you're going through that's difficult, I'm for you, and, and I'm praying for you. And sometimes people share stuff with me so I, I can pray more effectively. And, and we all need people in our lives that we can walk with in life who, who know what we're going through and, and who we, we lean on each other sometimes. And we are in this together. We're not alone. You're not alone. So the truth in 1 Corinthians 5.11, we are to encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing, Paul says. And Hebrews 10 24 and 25 let us not or let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near i think we're in that time <laughs> where all the more is needed <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, there's so much shaking going on. You you can you can feel it, uh, and and there there aren't very many solid places to put our feet. <laughs> we're we're learning to be fluid, <laughs> not just not just flexible. <laughs> flexible isn't good enough anymore. We we got to learn to be fluid. And as we learn to be fluid, we need to encourage one another all the more. <laughs> as the, the things that we used to count on may not be there. Uh, some of those things are, are that way. So, uh, anyway, um, I think that's most of what I wanted to cover today. Um, I encourage you, uh, as, as we were going, I really didn't feel prompted to deal with anything. Today we, we actually dealt with some things corporately last week in the first four. Um, <clears throat> but if, if the Lord really... Uh, Hold on you 
as, as we went through some of these. I, I encourage you to get with him and, and deal with whatever that was. Uh, as he, he will bring you out of it. He, he will overcome that in you as, as you allow him. Because Christ in us has already defeated everything. <laughs> so it's, it's entering into his victory and allowing him to be our victory. So let's pray. Hmm. Father, I, I just I thank you for your provision for us. Uh, and how Christ Jesus, your Son, is our provision. Uh, in him we have every spiritual blessing. Uh, in him we, we have overcome. And I, I pray, Father, that um, we would just come into agreement with you, uh, that you would teach us by faith how to enter into so much more of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And may your, your Son be glorified in us, that is your your intent. Lord, may we break agreement with all of these ites and find victory in Jesus for his glory. May we find strength in waiting and find strength in your joy. I, I just ask for a release of your joy within us today. Lord, bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so make some people feel like they belong today <laughs> before you go. <laughs> and if you need prayer for anything, uh, we'll have a prayer team in the prayer room over here. Uh, have a blessed day. Day and, and week. <laughs>